Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. As always, want to remind you, we are on every major podcasting platform. So go there, find us, and leave us a nice review so other people can find the show. It's really all that we ask for. Now, we got a lot to get to. Uh, Three-day weekend. Hopefully, you got to enjoy your three-day weekend and got to enjoy three days off of work and your first day back hopefully wasn't too awful. So that means a lot of information has happened over these last what, five days since we did a podcast? So it's been a while. It's been a while. A lot of data to get to. In fact, most of what we're going to be talking about all actually came out yesterday. And I know you're going to be shocked by this, but we have some new data from CoreLogic that shows double-digit home price appreciation year over year. Absolutely shocking. We've never seen that before. Now, this number is actually pretty pretty darn big. 13% year-over-year appreciation. In fact, just month-to-month, we're talking month-to-month from March to April 2021, CoreLogic says home prices jumped 2.1%. Now, here's why that number is just nuts. Because they actually have a forecast. The CoreLogic HPI forecast is predicting that April 2022, we will see year-over-year gains of 2.8%. So they're only projecting that home prices from right now are going to be 2.2% or excuse me, 2.8% higher in next April. And then meanwhile, from March 2021 to April 2021, we saw 2.1% price appreciation. Just Crazy numbers, crazy numbers here from CoreLogic. Uh, the top five metro markets were led by Phoenix at 20.7% year-over-year appreciation, followed by San Diego at 16.1%, Denver 13.8%, Washington, D.C. 10.9%, and Vegas at number five with 10.5%. Now, as I mentioned, they are projecting 2.8% year-over-year growth by April 2022. Now they are still projecting for May 2021 that we're going to see 1.1% growth. I mean, that's how crazy that number is. And and that's kind of what I want to talk about here today because there was a very interesting piece uh, in the Indie Star by James Briggs. And it's kind of actually, this kind of actually piggybacks on another piece that we saw, I think it was last Friday by Derek Thompson in the Atlantic. And they both were talking about this hot housing market, but they were discussing how everyone's looking at it and going, man, things are crazy hot. There's no doubt that the housing market is overheated and everyone does think that there may be a correction, but nobody knows when it's going to (laughs) happen. And it's kind of funny because I'm reading this book right now called, what's the name of the book? I think it's all the money in the world or more money than God or something along. It's, it's, It's about hedge funds. And I was recently reading the chapter on the dot-com bubble situation. And it was funny because a lot of these hedge funds tried to bet against the dot-com bubble. They all saw it. They saw the data and they said, these stocks are overvalued. It makes no sense. These, These evaluations are crazy. And they tried to short them and the market was just so strong in the other direction they had to get out of the positions because otherwise it would have like bankrupted these hedge funds and they were right in the long, you know, in the long run, they were right. But they, but the argument, the analogy that was made is that it was this freight train that everyone knew was going to derail at some point, 
but they just didn't know when. And so nobody wanted to stand on the tracks because you don't know when it's going to happen. I do not want to compare this housing market to the dot com. I don't want to compare it to the subprime crisis. And nobody believes that the train is going to derail, but they do believe that we are going to see a slowdown. That's why they're projecting, and CoreLogic is, and others have said this too, that they're only seeing, they're only projecting two, three, four percent growth year over year. And the fact that they're not projecting, you know, half a percent increases and they're still saying that we're going to see 1% month-to-month appreciation means that this is going to continue for a while and then we may see somewhat of a correction and then things will get back to normal. But nobody knows, nobody knows when that's going to happen. And I mentioned this Derek Thompson piece over at The Atlantic. They actually interviewed Billy McBride. Now, he is one of the, the guys who saw 2008 happening and made a bunch of money on it. So this is one of those people that people you look to and go, all right, this guy called the last housing crisis. So are we in another one? And McBride, kind of the same thing as Schiller, is like, it's not a bubble. We're just seeing a lot of price appreciation because of how low inventory is. Those are economic forces that are causing this. It's not... And sure, of course, the Fed plays a role. and We understand that and rates are low and they're pumping money in and they're buying mortgage-backed securities. And I get that, but everyone looks at this market and says there is a fundamental reason why home prices are up. And it's because there are no homes for sale. Now, that was very different than what we saw in 2006 where we had home occupancy rates, or I should say vacancy rates, at record highs, we had homes where nobody was in them. We had plenty of homes for sale and home prices were still appreciating. And then that led to the bubble bursting and the collapse. That's not the case here. People are in their homes. They just don't want to sell. And so that is what is confounding a lot of the people that are watching the housing market is they're sitting there going, okay, at some point things are going to normalize, but they don't know when (laughs) they're like, I have no idea. I mean, Schiller even made that argument, right? Robert Schiller, who was like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's definitely going to be some kind of correction in the next three to five years. <laughs> like that's, that's a very ambiguous prediction. And the same thing that Billy McBride is making in this Thompson piece in The Atlantic, he's like, yeah, things are going to normalize, but he doesn't know when. Nobody knows when this is going to end. Why? Because of inventory levels. And I mentioned the piece by James Briggs in the Indy Star. And Briggs says he understands why people are concerned about a bubble. He says, quote, anyone 30 and older likely carries some psychological trauma from the mid-aughts housing friendly or frenzy, which crashed and took the economy with it. So everyone's kind of, and this is what happens. And this is why I've always argued that housing, I'm not concerned about it. I'm not concerned about a crash because whenever there's a crash, people will always then look to that market and watch and be worried about a crash when the reality is is that whatever the next black swan event's going to be it's not going to be what you think it is i mean for example the housing crash i've joked before that i see people online arguing oh well yeah the housing market's overvalued and it's a bubble it's going to burst it happens every 10 years no it doesn't in fact that's what was so insane about 2008 is that never in the history of the United States of America, except for maybe 1929, had we ever seen home prices reverse. 
Nobody, no, almost nobody who was alive or definitely active in the housing market, I'm talking about people who are working in real estate for the most part, investors and everyone else, remembers a time in which housing prices went backwards. I mean, even during disruptions, I mean, sure, maybe home prices stagnated, but they never dropped by a significant margin that caused problems. So no, it doesn't happen every 10 years. Now, are there things that happen in the economy? Sure, there are, but it was never housing. And so the likelihood of it being housing again is just one in what? One in a trillion? <laughs> I don't even know if you could even calculate that because one, it's never happened before. The odds of it happening again are unlikely. And two, everyone's looking to it and worried about there being a bubble there. So that's the place that you're least likely to find a bubble. And as I've said, the reason why prices are high are fundamental reasons. Inventory levels. And that's why all these economists are saying, yeah, I mean, okay, I think there's, there's some overheating going on, but I just don't know when you're going to see that correction. And remember, we're talking about a correction here. We're not talking about a crash. And the fact that they're still projecting, I mean, so what's interesting to me about the CoreLogic forecast is what it's saying is, is that, okay, we could see home prices appreciating at 2 3% a month, which is where we are right now. And then maybe in eight months, we see a 4% depreciation and then maybe another 4%. But when all is said and done, a year from now, home prices are still going to be up 3%. They're not projecting a correction to the point where if you buy a house now, it's going to be worth less a year from now. In fact, it's going to be worth more. That's their argument. Now, going back to this Briggs piece, Briggs also points out that this market is nothing like 2006. He says, quote, uh, affluent buyers with sky high credit scores are emerging from a pandemic to play full contact musical chairs. The winning bidders are overpaying for homes by tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, I saw a piece in the Washington Post yesterday, a house in Chevy Chase, Maryland. I did not live in Chevy Chase. <laughs> I do think it's in Montgomery County, though. So it was in my county. But Chevy Chase, very exclusive. In fact, when I was growing up, Chevy Chase was always the neighborhood to be in. And now it's, um, what's the place where the, Ob Calorama? It's where like Bezos has a house and the Trumps had a house. And I think the Obamas live there. And I mean, Chevy Chase, though, was always like the, the, the very ritzy part of dc no you know no doubt about that or i should say maryland the, that sort of you know dmv area the district of columbia maryland virginia area so I, I was well aware of chevy chase and so i wasn't surprised when i saw this headline but the numbers were just astronomical a house sold for a million dollars over asking a <laughs> million dollars it was on the market for like 3.5 and sold for like 4.5 <laughs> it was just it was pretty crazy. So in this case, you know, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, that's no big deal. Someone just paid a million dollars over asking. But uh, or, or Briggs points out that these are people that can afford it. This is, these aren't people who are leveraged to the hilt. And if something disrupts one of their payments, a domino effect is going to kick in. These are people who, when faced with the situation of a house having to go for a couple, you know, tens of thousands more than what they thought. They just say, okay, fine. We'll put that money down instead. And so they're like ponying up the cash. They're not, they're not increasing the size of their mortgage. They're putting more money down in order to meet the uh, increased asking price. And so it's a very, 
very different situation. Now, what's truly amazing, in my opinion, about this current housing boom that that um, Briggs points out is that everyone seems to realize the market is red hot, but no one seems to have any idea when it will end. He says, when you think about a bubble, something has to change drastically for that bubble to pop. Also, there is usually years and years and years of supply coming on. And we haven't seen that. Almost every market is really, there's just no supply. And that is what's so weird about this. And we've talked before about, you know, sawmills aren't increasing capacity. Builders are not, you know, kicking into trying to increase capacity. Everyone's just kind of going, okay, we're going to, we're going to go forward like this. And that's not a bad thing because what that's telling most people is that you're not seeing this sort of irrational behavior, people trying to cash in people, you know, rushing in and just trying to flood the market with whatever product is priced really high. And then of course you have this huge supply and then things plummet, which is what happened in 2006. Everyone was building houses and pretty soon you had too many houses. And that's actually the exact opposite of what's happening right now. In fact, we got construction numbers yesterday from the Census Bureau, and they were up a little bit, like a little bit. You'd think you would be seeing double-digit increases in construction permits and people building, and we're just not. In fact, total construction was only up 0.2% in April compared to March's revised numbers. Year over year, yeah, it was up 9.8%. But remember last year... COVID lockdowns, it's kind of hard to make that comparison. I mean, we're only seeing 0.2%. Now, single family construction, that was a bigger number, 1.3. 1.3% is what it was up. Now, year over year, once again, 39.6%, a big jump. But we're talking about really the middle of, or I should say the worst of the COVID lockdowns. I mean, think about April. I mean, I know here in Wilmington, we have this big festival every year, the Azalea Festival. And I remember we was like two weeks out or three weeks out. It wasn't long. And they made they finally made the announcement. And so in April, there was there was still conversations going about whether or not how or how bad this coronavirus is going to be. And we sort of realized that I should say at the end of March. And so April was when the lockdowns really started going into full gear across the country. So to see a 40% appreciation is not unexpected. In fact, you think that number would be bigger. And so what this is telling me is that people are not acting irrational. I mean, true. You see a a million dollars, a house goes over a million dollars and asking, well, it's in Chevy Chase. That's probably one of the ritziest places in the country, <laughs> at least in my opinion, at least that's what I was told growing up. And so you're just not seeing this irrational behavior. And could we see a correction in home prices? Yeah, I think that's kind of what everyone's projecting, but it's not the crash of 2006. And even if we do see a correction, people like CoreLogic and, and companies like CoreLogic are still projecting that even with a correction, you're still going to see positive appreciation. So it's funny because we're all sort of in this place where we're like, yeah, everything's inflated, but no one knows when things are going to get back to normal. I think McBride had said that maybe towards the end of the year, <laughs> these are all just their guesses. What if inventory still tight? I mean, there's not a lot of building going on. And just a reminder, according to, I think it was Freddie Mac, 
we have a 3.8 million house inventory deficit. So I'll tell you, it, 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 it's very fascinating because I was reading this piece in, uh, in the star, the indie star, and then the piece by Derek Thompson at the Atlantic. And they all kind of had the same argument, which is, yeah, we all agree that there's this overheating in housing, but it does seem to be based on fundamentals and no one knows how that changes. Like the only way to change is to have this big, this big increase in supply. Now, one of the things that could do that and I know we, we're, we are going a little long here, but I did want to point this out because we did have a lot of data to get to. Uh, more than 11 million Americans are behind on their rent and many could be pushed from their homes as the national eviction ban expires at the end of this month. So that could add more supply, potentially. But we also know, and this was the latest data from the Mortgage Bankers Association, 2.1 million homeowners are still in forbearance plans. So we're looking at a decrease once it's like the 15th week in a row we have seen a decrease. And so we're looking at only 2.1 million homeowners are in forbearance plans. So let's say all of them get foreclosed on. We're still only looking at 2 million homes when we have a 4 million deficit. So I just don't know where we get this supply to kind of normalize and, and cool things off that like that could do it. I mean, a big spike in all those homes becoming available and it wouldn't happen at the same time, but people maybe being aware of that, it could kind of pause things and bidding wars could slow down and that could cool things off. Just the anticipation or thought of that could cool things off. But it's, it's just, it's, it's just all these articles are kind of the same. It's just, it, it's very funny. It's everyone's like, eh, everything's overheated, but I, I I don't see how this stops. <laughs> like what what what's the event that causes things to slow down? Maybe maybe it's a bunch of foreclosures. I don't know. I don't know. I, I if they don't know, I certainly don't know. So I'm not going to speculate here. All right, we got to go. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Hey, look, we're halfway through the week. How fun is that? Uh, we'll be back here, of course, on Thursday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. <laughs>